Hello and welcome to Downstream, a new spiritual podcast. My name is John Stinson. In our first series, I'm looking at shamanism. I'm interviewing Taz Thornton, a well-respected shamanic practitioner. So far, we've discovered more about how Taz defined shamanism, working with spirit, elementals, dreaming, and in this fifth episode, we're looking at authenticity. So, without further ado, let's get on with the interview. Hi Taz, thank you very much indeed for coming on. It's been a while. It has, John. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. And uh, quite a lot has happened since uh, <laughs> since we last spoke, which must be well, I don't know five weeks ago now. It must be. So, um, and one of one of the, those things is um, uh, you're you're now famous. <laughs> Am I really? <laughs> <laughs> you've had a you've had a blog that uh, had a um, a blog that's gone viral. A little um, bit. And mm. I didn't. Uh, would you be would you mind talking a little bit about that? I, mm. I was interested in what suddenly made you want to. To do that, did he plan it? Did he just what? What happened? No, I very, very rarely plan. If if I'm going to do a vlog, it's usually a spur of the moment thing. Um, I, I've I've been telling a few people when they've said, "Oh, you must have had that planned. That was quite a, a, a clever move," because of course my background is in is in PR as well. So um, there are a couple of people I knew give me some gentle ribbing <laughs> about it. But as I said to them, well, you can tell this wasn't planned because my hair's a mess and floppy <laughs> and I'm wearing a scratchy old hoodie. So, no, it absolutely wasn't planned. Um, and I have been astounded at, at the the level of support it's had and some of the opportunities that have come up as a result as well. Um, I stopped counting once it went past the 40,000 views mark. Wow. Um, but I noticed just recently this week it started to, to pop up on, on feeds again, so it started to be, be shared again. Absolutely fantastic. And how, how did it make you feel? Um, at first, just a little overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, and then because of the, the, the topic of, of the vlog, um, for those who haven't seen it, it, it briefly detailed that I'd, I'd escaped from an abusive relationship. Mm. Um, but the point of the blog was not dwelling on that, but moving forwards, and that I'd felt that that experience had equipped me to do more things now, and it talked about a very dark time in my life where where I'd, I'd thought that that essentially suicide was the most mm-hmm. sensible option. And I've never been suicidal per se, but there was there was one moment I mentioned in that vlog where it was just as though someone had flicked a switch and everything was so clear so much yeah. clarity you know get this do that check out um but i came through that and the point of the, the vlog was was saying to people when when you hit those dark times there's always a reason for it and there is always a way out and sometimes you do need to say help and and accept that um but but that in a nutshell um if i hadn't if i had checked out back then there's so much i would have i would have missed out on now and and, and so many people have been able to help because of my experience. So what happened when that went viral is all of a sudden I was fielding all these uh, private messages, emails from people who'd found me and comments from all these people. And not just women either, people who'd, who'd been through similar times or who were going through similar times. And I, I made a, a, a promise to myself to respond personally to everyone I could find. Yeah. And I spent a long time doing that, and that was some of it was 
quite heartrending, some of the messages I was getting. Um, but some of it just so beautiful, particularly a, less, uh, particularly a message I had from one lady who said that she'd sent my video to one of her friends at precisely the right time the night before and it had saved her life. Absolutely amazing. In the similar the way, in the same way that your friend yeah. had caught, you know, uh, called you out, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that that's what had happened. Um, I'd got that moment of clarity. Knew what I had to do. Um, there hadn't been all the planning that people talk about. Um, it was just do this now. And it was quite late at night. And I'd sent a text to to someone who was quite a good, quite a close friend at the time, expecting her to be in be, be in bed. It wasn't a cry for help, it was just purely so that no one afterwards thought, well, that's my fault, or she's yeah. done it. I wanted people to know that this had been mm-hmm. absolutely my choice. But as as luck would have it, I didn't find it lucky at the time, but now as luck would have it, she was awake and threatened to to unleash all, all kinds of hell on me <laughs> right. if I didn't speak to her straight it, away. They were, they were particularly uh, good threats, I thought. <laughs> they were, yes. Yeah. Stop this now or the police will be on your doorstep within minutes. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yes, no good fuss. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> uh, what what I found really interesting about the video was, uh, uh, and it's a topic I'd like to look at, look at, is mm-hmm. the authenticity of it, mm. and uh, because it was, it, it it looked like and it felt like pretty relatively spur spur of the moment, like you just mm. finished doing your shopping. Or something. I was sitting in the car park at Springfield's, just yeah. about to do my shopping actually. Yeah. But, but yeah, it came about because I'd seen a video <laughs> from um, Brad Burton that morning. Um, Brad's kind of marmite. I I think is amazing because he's so very authentic. You know what you see is what you get. Um, but his video had had talked about you know only having one life. This is your chance. Get on with it. And I agreed with that. And I shared his video. And then on the drive from my house to Springfield's, I was thinking about it. Actually, I don't don't agree with that bit, Brad. I don't think you do only have one life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see this as a dress rehearsal. I see this as one of many lives where we come and get beautifully rich teachings. So my video was kind of in response to his okay, right, video, right. and it spun off from there. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, yes, but I didn't think of that, of course. Um, and that sort of led me, leads me to think about authenticity because it's a word that's um, is in danger of being overused. I feel. Yeah. Uh, because it's certainly, I mean, it's it's made its way into business and corporate areas now, which is particularly odd. Um, because we've had, we, you know, they almost as if they got bored of the uh, mindful word, yeah. um, and they've latched on to authenticity. Authentic mindfulness. Yes, authentic mindfulness. Yeah. So, and of course, so it's when that happens, you, you know, the alarm bells start ringing in with, uh, with me mm. um, on one side, but on the other side, I sort of think, oh, well, maybe, maybe we can have a yeah. an authentic, mindful business world. Absolutely. Um, but um, th- I, I was interested from a shamanic practitioning point of view what your view of what authenticity means mm. and what it means to be authentic. Because I think if you look up in the dictionary, uh, uh, you know, the sort of general thing would be, you know, be yourself type of thing. But, uh, um, well, and I'm just wondering, mm. what, how do, what does it look like from a shamanic uh, point of view? Well, I guess that dictionary definition is right. It is about being yourself. The difficulty comes, of course, is in the fact that, that today in Western society so few of us actually know who we are because we spend years and years and years wearing putting on different masks or wearing yes. different coats if you like and well i should do this because my uncle did that when i was a kid and he had a nice car i should do this because my parents want me to go into that direction right. i ought to do that because that guy i saw in a movie when i was 12 was doing it and yeah. we we 
and the one the, the faces and the masks that we learn to put on yeah. either to work with different people or yes. because of different situations we've come across in the past yes um and of course it's quite normal to to learn from other people and to model other people yes i was going to say why isn't that authentic because how often do we find someone in life who has spent so many... And this happened to me, to put it in a nutshell, I've said many times. I spent years and years and years climbing the corporate ladder and got as high as I could and then realised this ladder was up against the wrong wall. I'd followed a career path that I set out to follow when I, when I was a kid. Um, and it was supported wholeheartedly by, by my family um, not least because it would get my name in print fairly regularly. <laughs> I was a trained journalist before going in and, and setting up my own business. Um, and I just suddenly realised that I wasn't doing the stuff I loved. And that although I loved writing, I was perhaps doing the wrong kind of writing. And also because I'd gone into a career based around writing... I'm, I'm leaping ahead. If I go back to when I first went into journalism, it was because I had this idea that I was going to shake the tree and, and expose all the bullshit and help the little man. Right, and okay. I had really pure... Those pure of, journalistic views yeah, that crusading you, are the, you are the difference between government and you know watch, who watches the watchers. Absolutely. Wear my pants outside my trousers and don a cape and <laughs> tell the truth, God damn it. <laughs> and that was great until I then started to set goals for myself, which was, okay, well, I want to... From a trainee journalist right, I want to be news editor, and then I want to be an editor, and then I want to be a publishing director, and and I did all of them. And I was a news editor by the by the age of twenty, which was pretty, pretty young good. by then. Yeah. Um, it's quite young now. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and got to got to the point where I was I was um, publishing director for one of the for what was at the time one of the world's biggest multinational business to business publishers. Mm-hmm. Which was great for the ego, you know, I had the company car, I had the private health care, I had nice holidays, I had lovely bonuses. But I just realised I'd moved so far away from that, that initial wanting to do good. I wasn't doing what I wanted to do anymore, I was dealing with spreadsheets, I was dealing with office politics, I was jetting all over the place, having regular meetings in France, which sounded lovely, but of course I only ever saw the the inside of Charles de Gaulle and then the inside of a, a hotel room and then the inside of an office. And I just realised one day that I wasn't doing any of the work I wanted to do initially and I'd allowed this kind of, I guess, ego-driven picture of what I should be doing take me take me away from my initial dreams. So help me out with the, with the ego bit. So what mm. is it about... The ego that isn't authentic wasn't giving you an authentic experience then. Okay, um, it's that division between head and heart, and of course there's two ways. There's a couple of different ways of looking at ego. Um, I'm not talking about ego in the sense of ego being the self. I'm talking about the the kind of ego I want to have a bigger car than you just because. Mm. Um, and I find, for me, when I talk about ego, I'm frequently talking about a head heart disconnect. Right. And a lot of the teachings I had from some of my teachers in shamanism talked about the ego almost being a um, a separate being. Mm-hmm. And the ego will try and take you off the track of being heart-centred and mindful, to use that word, yeah. and back onto not necessarily the corporate path, but the path to the, the, the riches and material goods that the ego wants. And in the shamanic teachings I, I developed with... Um, 
we were taught that the the ego as this separate being is almost kill or be killed because on this heart-centered spiritual path we're trying to get away from ego and drop down into the heart more and more and more so our ego body will do everything to pull us away from that because otherwise we're going to kill it right um so so yes on paper i had a wonderful life but it just wasn't filling me up anymore and i know there are lots of people out there where on paper their life looks fantastic but are they happy you know how much are our gps needing to to prescribe prozac and the likes now or um send people off for counseling and of course that's always going to happen but i think it's gonna it, it has been get, it, it it got to a point where i don't know did we almost reach saturation is that why more people are wanting to explore spirituality now is that why more corporates are talking about authenticity and mindfulness because this kind of 80s style driven slick suit get all the figures in burst all the budgets is wonderful but you where's where's the life in that mm -hmm. we, we crush ourselves trying to 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 get in get into a car that some of us don't actually want our heads might think we want it but it doesn't tick any boxes in in our hearts so we we we, we do everything to get the big flash car to spend hours on a motorway going to a job we don't want to do flog ourselves to death doing the job working more than our hours to beat the budgets that are actually going to go and line somebody else's pocket to pay for a house that we don't have time to spend in in any way mm -hmm. yeah and where's Where's the heart in that? We're driving ourselves to an early grave, and that, I guess for me, a lot of that is driven by the ego mind rather than the heart mind. Okay, so so that can certainly might be true for, for, for a lot of us, but there mm. are those that, um, that, that, that love that. Fine. And, um, and to that, and so, so you could, so, so I'm picking up that that could be their authentic purpose. There's your authenticity. If, because it come, if it's coming if from the heart... If that's filling you up and it's coming from the heart and that really does make you happy and fulfilled, fantastic. But there's that authenticity. That doesn't tick everyone's box. Yeah. Just as by the same token, you know, sitting cross-legged under a tree and saying on isn't necessarily yeah, yeah. going to fill the, I think that's the probably, heart space of somebody in the pinstripes. Yeah, I think that's probably a pin... Uh, not a pin drop. I've got the wrong analogy there. That's probably... Um, a penny's dropped, not a penny. Mm. It's P, same thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, because uh, I think I'd always thought that to be authentic, you you need to follow your spiritual path. But actually, your spiritual path might be um, making zillions of pounds in the uh, in the corporate world. Absolutely, and there's nothing wrong with money. Money is someone once said, "What money's like water? It's what you do with it." Yeah. Um, money isn't bad. Wanting to have riches and wealth, it's not bad. Um, for me, it comes down to what I'd want to do with it and why I want it. Yeah, so that's... Um, just and I think to be aligned. I've, and I think I've heard you say before around it, um, if it's if it looking for to do what you want to, it's coming from the heart rather than the head, Yeah. then that's the, that's your difference. Okay. Yeah. Right, I can see the, the, the difference uh, quite clearly then. So... Uh, so from a, uh, to be so from an authenticity point, uh, just trying to think about being authentic um, from the heart. Mm. Is any anything else? What else would being authentic involve? I think it's it's being in truth and it's being able to to look at yourself and look within so completely and fully that that you know who you are. But again, this is the issue that we we find ourselves in in the modern world. Okay, that so we go back to our masks then. We don't know who we are anymore, and that can 
I could, I could could end up getting quite political and looking at our education system as well because of course we're we're trained from a young age where we need to have uh, we need to learn this subject, this subject, and this subject, and to this standard, or you're on the scrap heap. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go back to the days before schools, go back to our our indigenous ancestors, where we were moved into a path where we gave everything to 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 one to- topic, if you like. If you look, it's why our old craftspeople were so beautifully skilled. You know, if someone showed promise as as the as as the jeweler or the metalsmith. Yeah. That's what they were, and they didn't need to also then go and learn, you know, arithmetic and Pythagoras theorem, and a bit of English and a bit of science. Mm-hmm. Where's we're just trained from us from a small age that there are certain things we have to learn to be good at, and we have to learn to excel at, but it's not always a natural fit. Okay, so there's there are clues then, right, from an early age, off to what we. Uh, where your authenticity lies. I think so. Okay, and and then, so if I was to look back, for example, in my childhood, I would, I should, you know, I should be able to see the clues, as it were. Well, there should 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 be banned. <laughs> okay. But if you think back to to childhood, you know, what were the things you enjoyed doing? Are those threads still visible today? Could they be? If you tapped into some of those threads, would you would you start to feel happier again? Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've no idea. I must have. I, that's something I think is an exercise for myself. I think to do. Yeah. Uh, well, you mean you know you've got you've got a a, a a small person about the things that that fill him up now. Yeah. And then think of a time where where through to through the system or the teachings he's in, he gradually stops doing those things that at the minute are giving him so much joy because we're trained we should be doing this instead. Mm-hmm. And. That's a bit crushing, really, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and we we are, as you say, kind of um, you know put into our boxes. We are. Um, but rarely do we have input into what those boxes are, and rarely, I think now, in the majority of cases, rarely do we have teachers who are able to have the one-to-one time with the children to understand what it is that makes their heart sing and to steer them in that direction. Yeah, I think mainstream. You'd be right. I don't. Mm. Um, I've I've had skim. I have a very sort of um, a small amount of knowledge um, on um, uh, Steiner schools. Steiner schools. That's yes. the one. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that is more, that's slightly more encouraged. Yeah, and again, uh, I'm talking it's got its own brush about mainstream. Yeah. Um, and so, okay. So I can see now that 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 helps to foster mm. a more authentic learning style and authentic child if you like it's very difficult to try and describe um, what authenticity is because to me it's just just being true to who I am and being aware of that balance between what really you know makes my soul dance and my heart sing as opposed to what ticks a box in my head but doesn't go much further than that yeah but so that's that's something I think that's um I'd like to pick up on then is Mm. around um because uh, and there's a phrase I think that um, I, I think you've said before about walking in truth, mm. and and that, that seems to match mm. pretty much with mm. authenticity, um, and I, I, and that's obviously your truth. Absolutely, my truth might not be your truth. Yeah, and that truth would be what drives your soul. Yes. So uh, I've heard before about a soul purpose. Yeah. So that leads me to to think well. 
how would I know what my sole purpose is? Because, um, it's not obvious to me. No. It might not be obvious to it to a lot of people. Mm. And Or you may think it's, oh, well, it's I, I love um, eating cakes. I must, therefore, should be a baker. I should There'll go probably be lots of people out there, John, who will tell you what your soul's purpose is for a quick swipe of a credit card. Hash <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> irony. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... And it's not an easy answer. Um, for me, it's been a long path of of reflection. Um, I guess some looking at this from the other side of the coin would say navel-gazing. Um, reflection, self-work, self-work to get to self-worth. Um, and being That's quite a good phrase, self-work, self-work to get to self-worth. To get to self-worth. Yeah, I should, I should yeah, write that down indeed. and put it on a T-shirt. Put on a meme or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lots of meditation, lots of journey work that I do in shamanism, lots of just trying to be really, really honest with myself and looking at where that sits, where where does that feeling sit within me, um, and looking at what I what I actually enjoy. And it's like when we come back to to the career again. Um, when I was in that last job before I before I took my leap of faith, if you like. I realised that one of the things I was enjoying was helping and coaching some of the people in that business who weren't perhaps reaching their potential. And I found myself getting to a point where I was going to, yeah. to other managers and saying, yes, that I... staff member you said you've got an issue with, can I borrow them and do some work with them? Yes, I and saying, it, yeah. yeah, it started to, to produce results and that made me happy because I was helping and enabling someone else and it made that person happy, which just showed me again that the, the work I needed to be doing wasn't really to do with making budgets balance and making sure the headlines matched what the advertisers might want. So, so what's sort of because that, and that obviously started to ring bells for you to mm. say, and, um, and it's because it sounds like you were looking within yourself and then actually seeing what we what was happening mm. and going, okay, well, I can see mm. that that that's what gives me joy, that what gives me happiness, and that's that's what's that, and that's where I'm being. It, was well, it a, a feeling of being pulled? Yes, yes, but I, w- I wasn't that clever back then, John. I wasn't. I, I didn't do it quickly enough. Um, I had to get to the point where I, where I essentially had a breakdown to realise okay, that yeah. I needed to do something different. You know, I was going to work in the morning, plastering the smile on, and then just getting through until lunch, and then going and sitting in the car park somewhere and crying and phoning my wife, and then you know sticking a bit more makeup on and going back to work, and then leaving at the end of the day and crying and then yeah. getting up and going to work and the pattern was repeating and repeating and repeating until it sounds terribly over dramatic but I, I was dying from the inside out and I had to do something right but during that time yeah I mean this may sound a bit silly but were you thinking that um, this this is what I'm meant to be doing why isn't it working or were you thinking that I I don't know why I'm doing this uh, I, and this is making me miserable? I was thinking. I think the point is, uh, uh, I was trying to think. Did you think that was your path, as it were? Uh, I and, thought, and that, but you wondered why it wasn't working out. When I was, when I was growing up, um, and taking advice from from peers and from family and from school about what I should be doing, journalism ticked those boxes on paper. Yeah. So I thought then that's where my career should be, and certainly in my first job, um, which was for a very interesting <laughs> newspaper group, 
um, yeah, I was crusading and it was making me feel good and it was helping other people. And I think what went wrong is I started to then carve out a path that was very much based on presenting the right image to other people. Okay. So it then made me feel good when I could say, well, look, Mum, now I'm doing this. And she could say, oh, I'm so proud of my daughter. She's doing this. Look, here's her, here's her name in a newspaper or a magazine. Um, and I could you know, walk into, you know, pulling out the lapels of my suit and strut into a meeting. And it was ego stuff, but I didn't know it was at the time. Hmm. had no idea. I was just forging out a career and trying to make my family proud. And then I'd, I would have achieved would have achieved something and I did achieve things but I, th I think as I grew older I just realised that okay well well, now what I've got to where I where I want the lofty heights I was trying to get to now what am I happy now I'm not I'm absolutely crushed and every now and then through that dark period if I was doing coaching with someone yeah. I felt good again if I was um, if I was doing some one to one work or doing some training or mentoring with someone I felt good again. And by then I'd started to, to learn some of the, the energy healing. I'd, I'd done NLP prac and things like that. And when I was using those tools outside of my pinstripe big car office environment, I felt good again. And it got to the point where the only time I felt authentic and fulfilled was when I was doing that work. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. And that's, it wasn't an overnight, but it wasn't this necessarily, is what I should be doing. But what I also pick up is that it wasn't didn't necessarily click with you that no. that is therefore what you should be focusing no, on. No, for a long time I was thinking, well, how on earth can I carry on doing this, this corporate job that I obviously need to do to look after my family and pay the bills, yeah. whilst finding the time to do this stuff that's, that could only ever be a little hobby business. Yeah. I hadn't then realised that if you find a path that is in line with your soul's path and if it fulfills you and if you feel absolutely happy doing it and you're doing some good valid work you can make a you can make a career through that too yeah so i think the phrase was if if it's making your heart sing or something the money will follow or something yeah like it's that. flow it's yeah. flow and, and if if you're in flow and again that's getting to be one of those other yes. overused cliched words yeah. but no that's I mean this is called the podcast is called downstream so oh. I'm, I'm fully on with absolutely that it's yeah. in flow <laughs> flowing podcasts yeah. um if you if you are in flow then everything flows and it's my belief that when uh when when we are that in tune and we're doing the work we're meant to be doing and I say working in, in inverted commas then then the money flows too mm -hmm. it all but when we're doing something that just rubs on some level things aren't it's it's not necessarily going to come in the same way or maybe maybe the money will keep coming you know i had a healthy salary yeah wasn't clever enough to to have savings or any safety net for when i had to leap of course that would have been stupid don't, don't save any money <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the money was coming and the car was good and the yeah. and, and the suits looked very slick thank you very much but nothing else was in flow. My energy wasn't in flow. My heart wasn't in flow. My okay. health was hideous. Well, that's a really good point then. So th these are th these are sort of signs. Yeah. Then so your 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 energies, i.e. your your physical how you know how do you feel? Do you feel up and fantastic, or yeah. or do you feel like oh god? And I therefore, was that's a ill every year without without doubt. Just before Christmas, I was desperately 
ill. I ended up with such a severe chest infection one year that I actually ended up with one lung working at 30% of capacity. Right. And then still pulled myself up and went back to work. <laughs> okay, so some good signs there that you're not, li- <laughs> you're not living your authentic life, no. as it were. Yeah. Or you're not living your life authentically. Because there seems to be almost kind of, there are two sides to that. There is being an authentic person... Mm. And there's living your authentic, what your authentic purpose, if you like. It seems to be there's, there's for me though. I've got, I feel like I've stumbled across two sort of sides. I think they're kind of one in the same, but you have to allow them to blend. Right. Okay. So, um, what? So if you're le- leading your authentic purpose in life, mm. you naturally, um, you are you are more authentic with how you are with people, what you say, what you do, that type of thing. Yes. And when we start to. The catch with all this, of course, is then not starting to trip into... Um, the, there's the ego trap. So you start to move out of out of an ego-based, driven lifestyle, if you like. But then it's very easy to slip into the ego trap, i.e., well, I'm spiritual now and that person over there isn't. Yes. Or money is the root of all evil. I don't need money. I just need abundance and to be able to grow my own carrots and potatoes and right. start to judge everyone who isn't and then yeah, that just I'm more spiritual than thou absolutely yeah. and it just pulls you back again so mm-hmm. ego traps too yes oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so but yeah the, the the real thing that's coming out here is this heart uh, head mm. thing yeah and, and that so much of shamanism seems to be about that and a lot of what we've discussed over the last sort of four podcasts seems to be a lot it's driven from the heart. Well, my spirituality yeah, okay. certainly is. Um, and, and for me, that's intrinsically linked to the to the spiritual practice I lead, and a lot of that comes back to shamanism, yes. Yeah, there is a central core there. I think I remember yeah. we, we, we've discussed that before. A central core there, yeah. but there are a lot of yeah. other factors that come into that. Um, hence why you call yourself a shamanic practitioner, not, not, not a... Yeah, even that sometimes makes me feel a bit uncomfortable, though, to be honest, because right. I'm growing so much outside of that box but there we are again with with man-made walls and fences and what it should be and wouldn't shouldn't be I was in a discussion last week on facebook and made reference to what shamanism and what shaman isn't and there's, there's so much division over that there was quite a debate going on one of the facebook walls last week so does it become like um well like many religions do they've been dominate denomination upon denomination i think if we're not careful it could do yeah. yeah, and shamanism for me is not a religion, it's a spiritual path. But you find these arguments in this division. So this this thread I, I just mentioned, the root of that was, was, was essentially that. What is shamanism? And is it becoming too diluted? And too many people aren't following a traditional path? And, you know, it comes from Siberia, and my path is Tibetan and Mongolian and Siberian. And I have a proven lineage there, and how can you prove what you're doing is authentic because there's no lineage to follow? And... Oh, we can just go so into headmind on it. And I sometimes feel a little bit torn because shamanism is becoming one of those words that people just start tagging on to things. I mean, someone on that thread had jokingly referred to shamanic knitting and then <laughs> someone went away and actually found a shamanic knitting course. Right, okay. Seriously? Um, <laughs> but then you get into that spiritual snobbery again and the ego trap again because... It, the, one of the points I made was if we, if so much of the work we do is heart-based and connected in learning from spirit, why are we spending so much time arguing over a man-made argument in terms of what's real and what isn't? Um, 
And you, you could argue, well, I would say that because a lot of my shamanic practice has to do with reconnecting with the ancestral spirits of these lands. And of course, those threads are invisible. So those who have a visible path and a visible lineage and a visible set of teachings that are still there can very easily say, well, you could be making all that up. But, but I'm, like that, that's... Okay, but I, and from a practical point of view, I, I sort of see that, that uh, you could be making that up because I can prove my lineage. Yeah. But... You could say that about what well, any spiritual path. Yes. And and in, well, because it, it occurred to me that um, with um, shamanism, there, there seems to be a lot about that that sort of anthropomorphizes nature to some degree. Yeah, animism. Um, yeah, animism. Yes, of course, that's the uh, the, the phrase. And, uh, and you know, and and as humans, we are wired to see um, shapes and things. I think it's what's called parid- paridolia. Yeah. Um, so. You know, you could. It would be easy to argue that uh, that you know. Well, it's. I think not. Not easy. To, you, people could easily argue. Oh, well, you're just making it up. It's just part of your subconscious. I could be an absolute um, nutter. Yes. Yeah, but but and I think that probably drives to the point that um, where, when was it that you knew that you weren't, and that you weren't enough? That actually, this isn't. This isn't. I'm not kidding myself. Making this up. Hmm. This is. You know. This is it. There have been several occasions where things have happened that are too coincidental to be coincidences mm. or that I've been given proof that for me yeah. was proof. It might not have meant much to other people, but for me, that's my goodness. And and it's more than kind of thinking about someone and the phone, then the phone ringing and it being them. There's... Um, there are a number of instances through my journeys, through dreams, um, through working with spirit in the, on the in the middle world, where where for me proof has been delivered. And every time that happens, I have a little shiver and think, "My goodness, I really, I'm really not making it up." Yeah. <laughs> wow, this shit works. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a consistent thing. It's not like there was, what, there was one or yeah. two things, and they thought, "Well, I don't need to think about it anymore." It's does the, the doubt creep back that those that, that wonderful oh, duo fear and doubt? There. Yeah, absolutely. The doubt is always there for me. I think if I stop being in doubt, then that's when you can start to possibly tip back into ego again and then things switch off. I'm always amazed, constantly amazed by the things that happen. And every day you think, oh, today's going to be the day someone will find me out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's one of the things that keeps me humble in this work. But that's where you get another division as well with this idea of of humility and it's where we we go into judgment a lot even within within spiritual circles we go into judgment too much and there's that that humility aspect is one of them for instance so if i'm presenting to a, a group of people i do work on myself first and by the time i step up onto that stage or on that platform or in that room i am completely confident i have spirit with me i'm completely in flow and I can rock it, I'm confident. But of course, a lot of people will look at me being confident and see that as ego. Now, there's mm-hmm. a line between confidence and ego too, just as there's a line between pride and ego. You can be proud of yourself for achieving something without being into, being to the point of boastful over it. Yeah. Um, but again, we spend too much time creating division and we spend too much time in judgment. And that's where we come back to this this argument about what shamanism is or not. 
And again, the anthropologists have caused a bit of an issue there because they've called all these spiritual paths shamanism, and the purists will say, well, it has to be the Siberian. Okay, n- not the path. ayahuascan taking Brazilians. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's Iowa, the ayahuasca path and the pe- and the the big medicine plant, plant path, so the peyote as well, and and several others is is not my path. Um, I know a, a couple of people who I would say are genuine. Yeah. Uh, medicine plant um, shamans who will all have their own their own preferred um, title, for want of a better word. That's because we tend to put them all under the same. Yeah. Uh, we do. Title of shaman. Taking, ayahu- taking ayahuasca does not necessarily immediately make something shamanic. Mm. Um, and the, the, then you get into the arguments about, well, well, is it a drug? Well, no, I don't believe it's a drug, but you can't get away from the fact that it does have some of the same properties as something like LSD. Yeah. It's the DMT um, that, that's, that's the issue, that's, that's the illegal part, um, as far as I understand it. So there, there are some shamanic cultures who quite legitimately and safely and sanely use the big medicine plants as part of their culture but where the issue has become is it has come into the western world is is the ayahuasca tourism um some of that i put put nicely at the feet of the daily fascist sorry i mean the daily mail (laughs) who went through a phase a few years back of running big features on People going off to 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 the amazon to take ayahuasca to make as if it was uh, to make it fashionable yeah and it's a lifestyle thing again it yes and it can be it is part of some shamanic cultures but taking ayahuasca doesn't necessarily immediately mean it's a shamanic experience or make the person delivering it a shaman mm-hmm. and we need to be very very careful um, about if if that is your path and there's another point for me um that particular path using the medicine plants is is a path that people would be called to. I've had some very long discussions with 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 a shamanic pal of mine who has been trained to the high heavens out by by the the the, the tribesmen who know out in the Amazon and is qualified to 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 hold IRT ceremonies and and to teach people in that way. Um, and she agrees with me that it should be a calling. It shouldn't just be, oh, I'm going to go and pop off and experience that, but there's that should word again. Yeah. And for me, I've never felt called to that. If you look at the majority, if we if we park the arguments over which, which part of the world should be allowed to use shamanism for a moment and just look at the uh, the, the animist, animism map, if you like, um, the majority of indigenous cultures who practised what we would loosely call shamanism today would have done so with uh, with movement, with a drumbeat, with breath work, with, with rhythm, various uh, elements to get themselves into that trance without having to ingest anything as an enabler. But today we're in this, uh, thanks to, you know, I'm, I'm going to blame the media for some of this, even though I was, I was a, a small cog in that media machine for many years, it's become synonymous. I mean, free fairly fairly often, not as much as I used to now. But when I used to tell someone that I practiced shamanism, that shamanism, they'd say, "Oh, what did you, what do you take?" Well, that, that well, I would that what I would have to agree. That was what I probably thought not yeah. not, not, not long ago. 
Yeah, in the same way that the, the other question is, all that's Native to... American stuff. Yeah. No. Well, when you said that it was you know, from Siberia, I was thinking, really? Yeah. I thought it was from the Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or from uh, from you know uh, Indians in in the North America. Here comes the confusion again with with our friends the anthropologists finding traces mm. of the that very very similar path everywhere and calling it shamanism. And from that point of view, we can say that pretty much every indigenous culture, including our own, practiced a form of what the anthropologists recognised as shamanism. Um, and, and having had lots of discussions with different groups of people including one at the, the shamanic gather, gathering a few years back in, in terms of what is shamanism what seems to differentiate shamanism again to use that umbrella term from other spiritual practices is the journey work mm-hmm. is that area of work where we where the aim is to go into a trance and for our spirit body or energy body whatever term you want to use to leave our physical body and go off to visit the spirits in their own realm to bring back teachings, to bring back healings for a higher purpose, um, as opposed to most of the other paths where we look for spirit here and we call spirit to us. Okay, because to me that sort of makes it feel as if there, if you were to be, going back to authenticity is what, uh, where we started, that if you want to be authentic, you follow that path to which your heart is telling you. Because if you then think you have to belong to a certain lineage and follow certain things that that lineage does, that's no different to doing what your parents wanted you to do, to be a doctor no. instead of being being a, an actor, for example. For me, that's true, yes. So that would be, uh, to me, that would seem to be the authentic thing to do. For me, that, w- that would yeah. fit. And then again, we, fit in, we, we fall into the judgment and the ego trap stuff again. Yeah. And that's not to say, just for the record, that everyone who practices a shamanic path with, with, a, with a visible lineage is, is in ego or, or judgment at all. But there do seem to be these arguments that pop up every now and then about what is shamanism. And, and some of that, that, that discussion is to a point healthy because, again, we have reached this point where shamanism is becoming the trendy word and it gets tacked onto everything, including shamanic knitting. And if there's not journey work, if you're not going into a trans state and you're and visiting other realms to bring back specifically healings and teachings, there's an argument that says that ain't shamanism. Okay. And you know, got, it's also that division between what's in what's in your imagination and what's what's going into an actual trance and, li- and leaving your physical form. Um, so a guided meditation where you think about things and you picture things in your mind, but you're still very firmly in your body. It's a nice experience, and it might be animism. You might believe that, that all, all things have an energy. It's not necessarily shamanism. But then it's, it's what's acceptable here. I mean, when I do taster events or do beginner's workshops, I always say, if you want to believe that this work is just unlocking your, your unconscious and you're getting something from it, that's fine. It doesn't matter to me if you're just coming for that initial experience, whether you believe that your spirit is actually leaving your body or whether you are accessing your unconscious. If it helps you, yeah, that's fine. But if you're calling yourself, if, you, if you're saying that you do shamanic practice, it has to be more than, than just believing things have, have an energy and, and tagging it onto another word and in the same way there's also this seems to be this this growing body of people who pick up a drum and immediately say that's shamanism mm-hmm. not, and it isn't not if unless you're doing the, the journey work yeah okay 
and it has to be journey work and you have to be going for a specific reason not all my journeys are to go and get healing or teaching some of them are to just connect and to build the bond i have with with the spirits i have but the core purpose is what would have been to go and get healing teachings messages for the tribe to be of service particularly healing okay and i i, I remember um hearing that uh, talking about a, a shaman has been a, a hollow bone yeah uh, for the tribe yeah and so that uh that they can't can't have ego get your head out of the way yeah. but that's again where you get some of the arguments with with those who who will try and claim that it's not proper shamanism if you don't take ayahuasca or similar yeah because where i would be saying but hold on how can you be working to the purest level how can you know that this is a is a pure experience if you have taken a substance that effectively alters your brain um Whereas they would say, well, how can you say that's that you're having um, an authentic experience if part of you if if you're still in control, mm-hmm. and there's that balance, and it's never the twain, and I just wish we could just stop arguing and just all, you know, work together for the greater good, really. Right. Well, that sounds like a great place to um, to, to leave our, our discussion on authenticity, and then uh, also. What is shamanism, I think, or what is authentic shamanism, we seem to get into there, which was great. So, Taz, thank you very much indeed. Uh, this is the part where um, uh, I, I ask where, uh, if people want to know more about what you do, where, where do they go? Okay, thank you, John. Um, you can find me on most of the social media sites. You can find my website at www.firechild-shamanism.co.uk. You can find my empowerment work at tazthornton.com. And you can find me on Facebook and Twitter too. Just search for Firechild Shamanism or Taz Thornton and I'll, I'll pop up with a smiley face and waving. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, John. That brings us to the end of episode five. If you have any questions for Taz or anything you'd like covered in this series or another, please let me know by the comments. Episode six will be a shamanic smorgasbord. From conspiracy to love. So until then... Be well.